feel like we've been doing more and more of these emergency podcasts, fellas. I feel like uh, we're, we're in the DMs, like, let's collect ourselves and we, we have to get to the microphones and explain situations to people and, and dissect it, unpack it. But um, there's heavy drama and powerlifting once again, and everybody is taking notice on the nominations list signed up as assistant coaches for now, but it won't stay like that is are a number of U S national team members previously USAPL members. They have resigned and joined the USVI US Virgin islands powerlifting team. And uh, as for now, they are signed up as assistant coaches, but that is going to change. Among these people, but not limited to, because more people are going to start popping up, I would assume. So keep an eye on that. This is not the final list. We got individuals like 93 Kilo Junior, Gavin Aiden. We got 93 Kilo Open, Jonathan Keiko. We got... 84 kilo world champion coming back to defender title, Amanda Lawrence. Put a pin in that and we'll regroup on what she's going to face because <laughs> the with, amongst the switching, some people got blindsided. That's a side story. We'll get to that in a second. Jesus Oliveras, 120 plus kilo lifter from the US, has also jumped ship. 83 kilo IPF world champion, now returning Russell Orhe has resigned from the USAPL and is now with the U.S. Virgin Islands. Long-time USAPL man, David Ricks. And, oh, my goodness, did I not see that one coming. Long time. but He's been a part of the USAPL longer than a lot of these other names I mentioned were even born. And David Ricks is no longer a part of the USAPL, resigned. It is now a member of the U.S. Virgin Islands. Um, who else do we have here? Fellas, jump in if there's any names here. Isaac Whistler, sorry, uh, Junior 105, is resigned from the USAPL and is now a part of the U.S. Virgin Islands. It sounds like basically one coach sent all his lifters to the Virgin Islands is what it sounds like <laughs> to me. The other one you uh, you missed on the top was uh, Master Shifter uh, Joe Ada. That's uh, Max Ada's wife, and she's been the Worlds before. Joe Ada. And I know for a fact there's going to be more people jo- popping up on this list. This is not the final list. This is just uh, – it's going to get worse or better, depending on which side you look at it. Um, I wanted to put a pin on that Amanda Lawrence situation because I also want to draw a little bit of attention in the women's 76 kilo clash. We had a monster showdown between um, Angelina Ilovakova and Jessica Bittner, Angelina from mother Russia, Bittner from uh, Canada. And Angelina decided to move up to 84 possibly because there was no Amanda Lawrence for a hot minute there. But so oh, the pro- other thing is that uh, Angelina Alakova was like 87 kilos last right. week. Um, <laughs> like, sure, like you've got to be really confident to be able to cut what is that 11 kilos in three weeks? Like, sure, sure, yeah. that's true. 
That's true. <laughs> but it is a bit of a surprise. You, I'm sure that the um, they didn't think Amanda Lawrence was going to be there, but surprise, surprise, she is. Yeah, but I think um, the bigger news of changing win classes and that kind of stuff would be Carola Gara is out now for the 63 kilos. Yep. She announced that. That really, really hurts the uh, the world championships. You know, another former or reigning world champion. Sorry for the helicopter. I'm outside. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's your um, helicopter. Yeah, so that one is a uh, was a bicep injury that she's been sort of trying to get get a, a handle on for the last three weeks and and wasn't able to to get get a handle on. Is that right? That's what it sounds like, or at least you know the translation from Instagram lets us the crappy really, uh, Instagram yeah. translation from Italian. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. So that sucks because then you have um uh yeah so then Le- so obviously Sam Calhoun was already out. Um, Carola Garas are now out. So Leah Bavois uh, looks like she's the head of the class there, which is great for France for sure. Yeah. Leah, the showdown between her and Gara was going to be insane. Um, I am a little disappointed. We're not going to have that showdown, but like injuries happen. These, all these lifters are pushing themselves right to the brink. So that's something that happens in every single sport. I mean, all of us as sports fans, you watch any sport, people get injured right into the playoffs. You're like, damn it, man, we could have seen that, that we could have used that person on the team or whatever. Um, so Gara's the first big name injury scratch, healthy, uh, was healthy and then got injured, but it's nothing to do with like politics or travel or anything like that. But then we did have, yeah, some people are asking about Sam Calhoun. Is she going to be on US Virgin Island? She had actually was not on the nominations before any of this. Uh, before even the US was officially suspended, she was already not on the nominations. So that didn't directly impact her in that way. And uh, unfortunately, whatever the reason was, I'm not sure if she went public with it. Um, she wouldn't have been able to go to U.S. Virgin Islands, but uh, it sounds like it was something else anyway. So she wouldn't have exercised that option regardless. So th- it is what it is, but it is for a lot of people extremely shocking. So maybe we should talk a little bit about how this is possible. Who wants to go first? I, okay, let me just say, I was in the U.S. Virgin Islands for the NAPF uh, North American Championship 2014. I remember being a cab from the airport and talking to my cabbie and asking questions because U.S. is different than Canada and probably a lot of nations where they have states, they have territories, they have, you know, it's, it's, it's a little complex. So I was asking questions like, so you're, you're American. And he's like, yeah, I'm an American. And um, I'm like, so you, would, you would call yourself American though. Like, not just American, but yeah, I guess I'm an American. But you go, no, no, I'm an American. They, like, you know, the, the, and I, I was like, oh, okay. He's like, I have an American passport. I am an American. Okay, say less. Um, so it's important to understand these people for intents and purposes. I got you. It's, in the, it's a Caribbean island, and, but they're Americans. And, uh, and they, the transfer over is from one federation to another, not necessarily from one country to another. Um, so it makes it kind of uncharted territory. One powerlifting federation was non-WADA compliant and openly about it and faced, you know, a suspension. The other one is and is not facing a suspension, and they're both Americans. So This is different than a lot of people can probably wrap their heads around. Canada doesn't have two federations. What am I missing? Is there something else I'm not missing here, fellas? 
I mean, it depends if uh, Canada has any uh, territories that are member federations. Like, you know, we also have British Virgin Islands, so maybe some uh, British powerlifting lifters go and switch over if they want to. But uh, the IOC recognizes member federations slightly different than just countries. And then WADA, I mean, uh, IPF follows the IOC recognition. And you need the, the latest that they changed, I think maybe uh, end of 2018 going into 2019, they changed it where you needed to have residency or the passport. So in this case, for Puerto Rico or the U.S. Virgin Islands, it's the same passport. Uh, for a residency, you'd have to like show proof that you actually have residency there and you'd have to be residing there already for like six months. And then as far as switching back and forth between the member federations, it's uh, the latest says that it has to be at least six months past since the athlete last represented that member federation at an international meet. So, you know, competing at a local meet doesn't matter. If you want to do it within that six months, it can be reduced if both member federations and the IPF EC agree to it. So if all parties agree, like, hey, it doesn't matter if they switch within three or four months, then it'll be allowed. And then it says in exceptional cases, if one of the national federations is trying to like block it, then the IPF EC can come in and unilaterally approve it if they feel a national federation is like blocking it for a, a reason they don't feel is justified. So in this case, you know, we didn't have any international competitions last year. And so it was outside that six month window anyways. Uh, and if it was within the six month, the IPF EC may have approved it. So everyone can just, you know, switch over um, just by, you know, applying and letting both federations know in the IPF EC know. It's interesting. I want, it is interesting to note, and I think it needs to also be said previously. Now this has changed in a public statement, but the USAPL had a statement and I'll read it out. Coaches who are U.S. citizens, excluding those who reside in U.S. territories and have chosen to affiliate outside of USA powerlifting, i.e. with another IPF affiliate or have resigned slash retired from USA powerlifting will, will not be extended the benefits of membership with USA powerlifting. They may not purchase USA powerlifting membership and therefore ineligible to coach at USA powerlifting regional and national events and may not coach USA powerlifting lifters at international events. And they also talk about, I believe somewhere in here about lifters, but um, they had a much harsher, harsher stance. Now these people are all listed as assistant coaches and, you know, we're talking about labels here, but this has changed. You know, the, the, uh, the stance on, if you leave us, you resign, you go to us Virgin islands and come back. It seems like it's changed from previously from what I read, unless I'm mistaken. Am I mistaken in that? No. So basically what, what happened was when, Kimberly Walford resigned from USA powerlifting. She went over and joined the U S Virgin islands. Um, then in 2019 at the Arnold sports festival, she handled a lifter at one of the USAPL events. Literally the next day they came down with this rule that there, unless you're a member of the USA powerlifting federation, you can't handle coach, whatever at any one of their, regional, national, or international events, that kind of thing. Furthermore, they made the rule that anyone who's ever, like you just read, resigned, retired, or whatever, can no longer ever have a membership, even in like a non-compete in the USA powerlifting. And then at that point, they also made it that no, you may, no, what was it? No other member of another federation could buy a membership with USA powerlifting. So like, I know some of the 
um, international coaches that were supposed to come over for our raw nationals were having an issue with that because they couldn't actually get a non-compete membership because they were literally from another country, from another country and already had a Swedish federation or a Canadian federation or whatever it was. They were part of that. Um, there obviously were some people that fell through the cracks and they kind of let fall through the cracks without even batting an eye. Um, but anyone that kind of came forward and was like, Hey, this is my situation. Basically, if you didn't say anything, you were fine. But if you actually came forward with it and were truthful, they were like, no, you're screwed. Sorry. Um, so then eventually enough people complained because a lot of these bigger companies like RTS, for example, has, you know, international coaches. So I know, um, Mike was one of the ones that was complaining about it, you know, cause he couldn't bring some of his coaches over. I think Isabella von Weizenberg was one of them. It couldn't come to nationals cause she was at the previous nationals. Um, obviously TSG, um, he's the owner, Jason, he's from, from Canada has a Canadian membership. Um, so yeah, long story short, they ended up changing it to being like, okay, anybody except for people who re- who resigned from USAPL could have a membership and coach. And then yesterday, they decide, hey, let's bring everybody back in. You know, we, we already lost enough people this week. But fun- funnily enough, um, based off of this, a week ago, I had two lifters um, that I coached that have switched over to U.S. Virgin Islands for the bench-only uh, world championships. And they were told, just, no, just so you know, once you resign, you can never come back. So apparently... They don't care about the raw lifters. They don't care about the master lifters. They don't care about the equipped lifters. If you're a raw open lifter, they care about you. Well, it's pro. I mean, okay, there's a lot to digest. I mean, listen, I mean, the timing adds up, right? All of a sudden, we have Amanda, Russ, Jesus. You know, everyone pops up on this list, and all of a sudden, the rule changes. You know, literally within 24 hours. What, what I what I what was jumped out at me. What I was really looking at also is, um, you know, if, if you had that rule in place in a lot, like, at least it was, it's been published that like, you know, a lot of people did the, the point of the matter is that I was getting that these lifters did not know if they'd be able to come back. That was not clear at the very least. They they were literally told you cannot come back. That's the whole thing. So they were leaving with the intention of never coming back. So this is what I'm trying to say is the lifters who left the USAPL after the fact there's going to be, um, no, they didn't choose IPF over us. No, they didn't choose worlds over us. No, they, they didn't choose the IPF worlds over the pro series that's coming out. And, and the pro series is something that's being pushed for sure. But there was a choice by the biggest of big names that were all like, if we have to choose between the two, we're choosing the IPF world championships. There's discussion by people that are like, well, you wouldn't, why would you choose world championships over money? Like what kind of money are we talking? We're not talking like professional athletes here. We're talking small prize money for powerlifting meets. And people were talking like they wouldn't, people wouldn't choose IPF worlds over that. Well, we found the answer out and it wasn't, well, yeah, but they're just going to come back. But they didn't know that when they made their choice, they literally did not know that until after the fact, now, after the fact, when half the team's gone and conceivably the other half will, will go if they can, but spots are, are limited. Um, now you're finding out, Oh my God. Yes. 100%. They will choose the IPF world championships over the potential of a pro series over whatever. So we need to, we're adjusting, which is not a bad move adjust. But at the same time, I think some people saw the cards 
you know, it, things are a little more, I think some people who were on social media and were extremely confident, just leave. We have all the stars. We have this, we have that are now starting to think, hold the phone. If we just leave, we might start taking losses. People might start leaving. Our nationals may not return to 2019 with sponsors, lifters. It, for the first time, and some people knew this. Some people, we had Mike T on the podcast, and uh, it was Mike T. It was uh, Shane, for the uh, the Canadian president, and uh, I, I think it might have been Arian. We were talking about it, and we were all discussing, listen, you, it's not just leave, LOL. It's if you leave, there's there's going it's going to be get ugly, and this isn't what we want to do. We got to try to work it out, and now you're starting to see how complicated it can get. Now you're starting to see like, well, we have all the stars, we have all the world championships, and a week later you have half of the world championships you used to have and half the stars, and next week it could be less. And it's like, are you seeing how quickly things turn? This isn't the games that I wanted to see. This is in my podcast when we we're like, don't. Don't go down this road. It isn't as easy as just leave. It isn't that. And some people are like way too confident with it being like, you're, they're nothing without us. Let's rock and roll here. It's like, man, this isn't, it's going to get ugly. This isn't what you want to see. I don't, I, I mean, I am so glad that these lifters get the, they, they thought they're going to worlds and now they're going to worlds again <clears throat> for sure. But division, I think we're, I still think like we're all stronger together, man. I don't like this. You know, I don't like this. Uh, yeah, it had to happen. It had to happen. We were going this route, but now people are finally seeing what we knew what was going to happen and uh, the potential, you know, what's going to happen to what are your guys thoughts? Rory, you haven't said much yet. Let, let me hear. It. Like I, like I probably just reinforce what you've said, right? Like the, the USAPL was, was in this, in this position, they, had a hand where they thought they could force something to happen. Um, they tried to do it. It really hasn't gone the way that they may have thought it was going to go. I don't know if they predicted this or not, but but I probably wouldn't have guessed that this many people would would switch to USVI, knowing that there is a good chance that they will never ever be able to come back from this. Um, and and I would point out that that this isn't still isn't a definite path to worlds, is it? This is like a likely path or a possible path to worlds. Um, I, I think we're still waiting on a on a vote from somewhere to, to, to allow this. I mean, they're not um, on the nominations, right? So, I mean, they're literally listed as assistant coaches. So the nominations are officially stone. closed as but of, we, of, but all as we of know the is, time that we're recording this. Right. right. So, so all we know is yep. that they joined that federation based off of yes. that information. That's all we know. Yeah. So there's a large number of people who have, who have said the possibility of me resigning my membership and never, ever coming back to the USAPL and maybe being able to go to worlds as a member of the USVI, like, a lot of people have already made that decision, including including people who we consider to be really big names, right? Like Kaiko and Rex and, and uh, Amanda Lawrence. But like the 20-somethings, I get, right? <laughs> Dave Ricks, bro. <laughs> like, if you would have given me the list of every single American going to, that was, you know, nominated for Worlds, he literally would have been the last person. I'd be like, there's no way this guy switches. Uh, like, uh, like, what? With Dave Ricks? What? <laughs> Uh, dude, I've been competing like with Superman. the USAPL since like 1980. Oh, sorry, the prior to the USAPL, right? Like he's been competing since like 1981 or something. Like he's like, now not Superman anymore. He's Bizarro Superman. Yeah. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree with you, but on the flip side, like for him, I haven't talked to him at all, so I don't know. He could be thinking like, you know, he only has a few more years left, 
and then he might retire. So why is he, you know, he already missed on the worlds last year. He was going to miss on the worlds this year. Why not go to worlds like, you know, this year, next year, and then maybe call it quits after that. And then yeah. I went and looked in his, his open powerlifting database and, you know, he was around back then when the last switch happened. So he's competed in USPF, ADFPA. He did the raw unity meet. He did like an APF meet. He's done USAPL meets for, you know, decades. And now he's going to do a US, USVI affiliation, stick with the IPF. He's like that guy at work that only has two weeks left. He's already given in his notice. And it's like, watch your fucking mouth around that guy because he'll let the hammer fly. He's, he Does that mean we're going to see like a buddy cop movie featuring Dave Rick soon? It's like, I'm two weeks from retirement. Like, I can't get into any shit. Like, That's right. Exactly. I'm too old for this shit, man. I don't wanna... There's a, there's a couple, couple different things that you spoke about. Um, and, and we're kind of focusing on the classic world, but also some of the bench worlds lifters, as Bill said, switched. And some of the open world lifters ha- had already been switching. So I think part of it, I mean, the USAPL easy came in this, thinking the same thing as us is like, is it even possible at this point? Because, you know, classic world's preliminary nominations were already due. Um, and we were, we were getting to final nominations. Bench worlds was like a couple days left before it was due. And then open worlds is the one that had, you know, one to two weeks time. So they had time to still switch. So we're like, I guess for open worlds, these lifters can still switch because, you know, USVI can nominate a brand new team for the other ones. We weren't sure. So maybe they weren't expecting it. Like, you know, that it wouldn't be possible. Maybe they thought lifters wouldn't want to change, you know, one month out and rebook everything. And then, you know, then we start seeing or hearing, you know, okay, this person switched. Oh, this person switched over here and this person switched. And then USAPL did have a call with the open worlds team to discuss with them about them being able to switch to USVI. Um, and one lifter going to Egypt to be able to go to open worlds and qualify for the world games so they can do the world games. And then they're free to come back after that if they want. It's probably worth taking a minute to explain the nomination rules because there's a lot of people who would never have encountered these rules in, in, in any great detail. So I'm, I'm going to take a, a minute to digress and, and, and explain that really quickly. Um, so 60 days before the first day of a competition, um, you require your final nominations to go in. And final nominations consist of preliminary uh, uh, preliminary sorry, nominations. <laughs> sorry, preliminary nominations. Uh, uh, I do 60 days out, and that consists of uh, eight or nine people, depending whether it's junior, sub junior, or open through masters, um, and and up to five reserves. Um, and after that date, so from 60 days out through to 21 days out, which is when the final nominations, and I actually mean final this time, um, I, I do. You can switch weight classes. Um, if somebody who is nominated as a as an actual athlete, uh, not a not a reserve, chooses to drop out, you can replace them with a reserve, um, but you can't introduce new names to that list. So if you want to replace someone, it has to be from the from the uh, from the reserve list. It can't just be some, some random person who wasn't on the list at all. Um, so what what isn't? And sorry, after twenty one days, if someone scratches, they're just out. There's no replacement. Um, what isn't made explicit is whether or not you can switch countries during that period uh probably because this doesn't come up very often and possibly i I actually can't think of if this has ever come up before i guess we can't say countries switching teams Teams. i guess sorry yes let's let's say Um, that yeah it's um it it, it isn't clear whether you can switch teams or not in that 60 to 21 day period it's not it doesn't say that you can't but it doesn't say that you can either and so like it's it's quite quite a strange position to be in here um and usually it wouldn't be allowable because usually you would have done a meet within the last six months where which prohibits you from doing this anyway within that time time frame, um, but but that isn't true now. And there's a whole bunch of people who suddenly want to switch teams. Um, so now we have to figure out what happens. And it's for anybody who previously was like, 
you know, what's being done for the lifters? Like, are people looking out for the lifters? You got to think that both sides, at least now, USAPL and IPF are like, let's just not fight this thing here. Some people got caught in the middle. Unless unless another team complains that is not allowed. If their competitors complain, like, hey, they're not allowed to switch. Yeah, here's the thing. For myself, if you're on the if you're a competitor, it would be tough to be like um, to fight coming them coming back when you know they didn't fail a doping test like that. It's like this person failed a doping test and then they you know they're coming back somehow. But again, the like, basis of this whole thing is countries don't feel like the United States lifters are being tested properly. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so and, that's and, kind of the crux of this whole thing, right? So that could be them thinking like, well they need to get a whole water panel in done before this meet goes. You know what I mean? Like, cause and it, uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I was just going to go with Bill. I was going to say, it doesn't even have to be like, you know, a formal complaint file, like, Oh, they shouldn't be allowed, but it could just be like an email. Like, Hey, how is this allowed? Like, you know, there's nowhere in the rule book. And like, you know, mentioning that, yeah, USAPL got suspended because they were doing uh non-waterproof test, but at least they were doing some waterproof test and some non-waterproof test. Now they're moving over to another member federation that in previous years, like, you know, 2018, 2019, they did no water tests. Uh, I believe in 2020, they started doing some. We'll see if they do some. So now you, the look could be you're going from a federation that does lots of tests to a federation that's doing no tests and then coming to the world championship. Some of these teams, countries may complain. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, you got to remember too, like, like USVI is like, or any of these any of these other teams that are taken in the US lifters, like, it's also a huge risk on their part because like, God forbid someone does fail a test. Guess who's paying that fine. Guess who's liable that fine. You know, it's the new, the new federation. The USAPL is like, they're not part of us anymore. We ain't giving you that 10,000 euro or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like something crazy like that happens, you know? So you're basically taking a bunch of lifters sight unseen almost of like, you know, I saw them on Instagram or whatever it is. You know what I mean? But like, you know, you're, you're weighing the options of like, okay, this person has a really good chance to win. That's a good thing but also like they're definitely going to get tested at this meet because they're going to be in the top three. Like, you know, so there's definitely some risk reward involved in this whole thing. You're 100% right. Yeah. Off of, like, and I'm not saying that anyone's going to fail a test or any of that kind of stuff. I'm just saying that possibility is there. This is a good time to uh, point, point out something that Ryan pointed out in our, our, our last podcast together. Um, like you might trust that a lot of these U S lifters are, are clean. Right. And like, I would probably trust that the majority of them are clean as well. But if a Russian lifter was like, Hey, I want to move to the Uzbekistan team or, or, or whatever the case may be like, suddenly I, that feels much riskier because we know that, that, that Russia has had some doping failures in the past. Like, of course the United States has as well. Um, but like, you know, we know that, there was the states that sponsored doping program in the past. Russia has had failures before, like taking that lifter suddenly feels really risky. So even if you personally trust the United States as a whole to be doing a good job, like the, the precedent that it sets for other countries is also quite risky. Um, and like, if you substitute the United States with Russia, Kazakhstan, New Zealand, uh, Fiji, whatever, and suddenly you're like, Oh, I don't know if I, how I feel about that. That's probably a, a good reason to, to be questioning it. It'll be also interesting if this happens because of the extraneous circumstances and um, really bizarro times, like dramatic powerlifting times. Holy moly. 
can we just catch a year? I just, I miss 2017, 18, 19 when things were boring and we just talked about preview shows and recap shows. Remember those days instead of, um, instead of some crazy, like the drama we're facing, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, fellas, this is going to be a really weird IPF world championships, but if nothing else, we have, you know, some stars back, some IPF returning world champions, and maybe more. This list is not complete. Um, it'll be interesting. And, and also, we got to remember, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. So literally, there could be travel restrictions that happen tomorrow, and this whole thing is kaput. Uh, comes a moot and point. And it's literally Sweden against, you know, I, Denmark, and that's it. <laughs> I wonder if this, I wonder if this, uh, after these extraneous circumstances and everything that's going on, after the fact with what we just said about how the rules aren't explicit in certain, these certain areas, they don't tighten it up or if they leave it a little open under, or they just tighten it up to an extent where, all right, we're going to do this. We might need to do this again in the future, but we're going to set deadlines for that particular changes as well. So maybe that changes with preliminary 60 days out, or maybe, you know, or maybe it's final, maybe at the final nominations after final, final nomination, like these are things that you have to consider and fair enough. If you haven't dealt with it before and now you see this come and you might actually, like, heaven forbid, we got to do this again next year. They'll be starting to get exhausting. <laughs> okay. But um, if, if they do, they might be like, look, maybe we don't want to close the door on this because we might need to do this kind of thing again. And again, you don't want the lifters to be punished. Who knows what next year is going to look like. I don't even know if I can handle this for the next rest of the month. Like we still have to figure out whether these lifters can be in on the, on a new team. Then USAPL already canceled all our hotel reservations. So they have to rebook their hotel. Is there space at the meat hotel? Do they have to stay somewhere else and pay the fine? And who knows which of the lifters, like, you know, canceled their plane ticket immediately once they heard because they want to get their money back. And now they're going to book a plane ticket again. And then the EU is like giving the various countries the option to set the restrictions higher for US citizens if they want and how they want to do it. So who knows, you got to figure out what country you're flying into and going through. And so we got a long way to go before they actually. And that's just logistics, right? Like that's just logistics. There's still the the sort of standard problems of there's still three weeks of training to go. And a lot of these people are going to be like balls deep in fatigue, like prone to injury. Like that, that can still happen as we've seen with, with Gara. Um, People could still get sick. Like people could still get COVID or something else that's going to prevent them from being able to travel, like, or or a family member. And then suddenly they decide they don't want to travel because they need to look after their, uh, the spouse, child, grandparent, whatever. Um, Like there's a, (laughs) there's a lot that can happen in the 21 days between today and the first day of actual lifting. Or the IPF can enforce the rule that, anyone that competes in a non-WADA compliant federation can't compete in the IPF for 12 months, which is or the, all the, USA, or the IPF all, could do that. Yeah. Which is all the USAPL lifters because they've never been WADA compliant. Amusingly, <laughs> another thing that could still happen is I think that the, <laughs> it would be possible for the USAPL to fight the um, statement that was put out by that uh, Australian judge that, the, which I think we're going to get into in a little, in a little bit. Um, like there's still actually an option for appeal there and, and, whether or not the ban remains enforced what through, as they go through the appeal process is like not, not for certain either. And so it's possible that they appeal that and suddenly the ban is not enforced until after the appeal is, is sorted out. Um, and like that could change things as well. How do you guys, because you brought it up, how do you guys feel about that? Do you think that's the route they're going to take or do you think they're going to, they're going to separate? Are they I'll staying in the fight? Okay. I'll go first. 
after reading it and seeing that it was only a $5,000 fine or 5,000 euro fine, I'm sorry. I can't see them not paying and, and staying the long haul. It just doesn't make sense to me if I'm running the business of USA powerlifting to have a potential, you know, new federation pop up or a new affiliate or wh whatever might end up happening with that to give your, your USA, USA lifters another avenue to worlds right away. If they can appeal that, or if they can just, you know, give out the suspension and basically just wait to get voted out. Right. I agree with Bill. One thing I would add to that is that I don't think they'll appeal it. Like they'll, they'll pay the fine and yeah, they'll yeah. wait, but right, I don't right. think that they'll go back to court. Right. If you haven't read the statement, um, it's, it's kind of long and kind of dry, um, but, it is, but it is quite interesting. Um, one of the things which is important to note, I think, is that the USAPL did not come to their own hearing. Um, like, so they had an option to show up and defend themselves, basically. Um, and they sent a letter to the judge, which said, we think that we should separate and we don't want to show up to this fucking kangaroo court was like the, the gist of the letter that they sent. <laughs> and the judge said, okay, well, I guess I'm going to suspend you. Then. And, and furthermore, um, I wanted, they wanted the verdict sooner rather than later. Yes. Yes. Um, like if, if, if you haven't read the entire statement, the USAPL actually sounds really petulant throughout it. Not that the IPF sounds great either. They sound like quite, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like quite overly struck. What's it? Help me out guys. Dog, you're, you're looking at. We the don't wrong. speak New Zealand. Uh, yeah, well, you, dog, sure your vocabulary is way better than ours, and you're talking to children right now. <laughs> I was like, you lost, the, you lost <laughs> me a petulant. Exactly. I was, like the, I was gonna say, like the main thing that the judge kind of went against the IPF's recommendation with was the fines or the uh, lawyer fees. It felt like you know they didn't actually rack up that much that they're claiming. Yeah. So the the IPF actually asked for ten thousand euro fine. And 7,500 euros in uh, legal fees, so 17,500 total uh, euros. Um, and the judge said, actually, you don't get a fine at all, and you can have 5,000 euros worth of, of legal fees. Um, so technically, it's not a fine, even though it's a thing that the USAPL will have to pay. It is, it is much oh, less so than the USAPL so, originally asked for. Okay, so, I, so if, it's a, if it was a fine, they would have to pay it sooner than later, I'm assuming. It's, but if yeah, they're paying legal fees, they could actually probably, well, I don't know. The funny thing is he doesn't even mention it, uh, how it's paid, because it just says an order for a 5,000 euro contribution towards IPF's cost to be appropriate. doesn't okay. say the date or anything. Or to be paid at the end of the, the 12 month suspension. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't say. Right. So I think, I think, you know, all options are still on the table. Like, you know, USA Peel could file an injunction and then take the co uh, the case to cast the court of arbitration of sport and say like, you know, on these reasons that they feel it's unjust and that they shouldn't be suspended while the process is going through. And then maybe those lifters could still compete, but I don't think that's going to be their first option or the first path. I think they're still trying to communicate and still try some ideas. The uh, IPF Congress is also coming up at the end of the month. So maybe they'll try to you know, go to the Congress and present in front of all the member nations rather than just talking to the IPFEC. So I think there's possible options out there before going to this uh, option of going to the CAS because you have to pay for your case to be heard. I think so around 25,000 US. And then if the other side doesn't want to come, they say, no, like we don't want to, we don't care about this case. You can then pay for their side too. So then you'd be paying 25,000 for the IPF side just to get in front of the court and then you have to go through the whole process. So let me ask you this. So since we are suspended, 
USAPL, are we allowed to show up at the um, the, uh, the the annual meeting? I'm I'm not sure. The agenda has a point called actions on delinquent nations. So I wonder if there is an actual action for USAPL, whether USAPL can come to there and give their side. Uh, maybe you can't vote at the meeting because you are, you know, you're, you're a suspended member, but you can come and defend yourself for that point. I don't know. What it's worth, uh, the powerlifting Australia uh, representative was allowed to remain present in the general assembly uh, after powerlifting Australia was, was voted to leave effectively. Um, however, that was midway through a meeting rather than before a meeting. Um, so like I didn't kick him out in the middle of the meeting. He was allowed to just sit there for the next two hours, um, Awkward is but, but he wasn't, but he wasn't allowed to participate. It was, it was like observation only at that point. So Doug, that's the who, precedent that I'm aware of. My man, I know you don't have to say who was, but my man stood his ground and stayed after they voted his ass out. And he's like, nah, I'm gonna chill here and I'm gonna make everybody uncomfortable. He probably we'll made my... everyone else feel really uncomfortable about it. You know it. what? That's a boss move. That's an alpha move right there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I was gonna say, like some kind of NBA player gets like ejected from the game and they're just like staying on the court, like they're not leaving. Yeah. And they're, they're like teammates and like security, like, come on, let's go. Yeah, I was like, thinking no. of like uh DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street, like, I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> If he gives that speech, <laughs> I'd be like, that's my hero right there. There he is. Like fellas. when the NHL players are put in the uh, penalty box and there's two of them in the penalty box side by side, like trying yes. to fight through the glass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So having said this, um, it, what's a stitch awkward though, is that Larry had said in those statements that he didn't see a resolution and that only separation was probably the answer. Um, and these are official statements that he had put out. Like I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but this was the sentiments to it. So if that is the case, you know, sticking around, is it, why are you sticking around if only to block an affiliate's entry or if only to yeah. like antagonistic motivations, unless mm -hmm. there's something I'm not seeing now, I don't know, maybe there's something I'm not seeing. And, and if there is, they really do need to come out with something, but it's very difficult for me to see if you flat out say there is no resolution. We don't want to be water compliant. You want to be water compliant. Yeah. So from the, from the outside, like obviously I'm not a USAPL member, but from the outside, it, it looks like the statements that the USAPL put out and the actions that they take are not consistent with one another. Right. Like they say that they want the best things for the lifters. They say that they want to separate. Um, yet at the same time, they're forcing lifters to make decisions that are probably not in their own best interest to be forced to make a choice between two things, uh, between the two things that are being offered. Um, some examples, and this is something else I think we're going to talk about later, is putting Worlds and USAPL Nationals in the same city on the same days. Like, is that in the best interest of those lifters? Like, prob probably not. Um, mm -hmm. Is telling people who legitimately have done nothing wrong and just want to represent their country at worlds hey if you do the part take the path to do that you can never ever come back no matter what else happens like that's probably not in the best interest of the lifters right like so i agree with you ryan that like it's like it's not in the best interest of the lifters but all of those actions are actually consistent with each other they're just like consistent in the not in the best interest way well they're changing some things though like uh now they're saying okay you can come back but it obviously, how many times have they changed their mind on that already over the last two years? Like, is, is it going to stick? Like, yeah, they're saying you can come back now, but what are they going to say tomorrow? What are they going to say a week from now? What are they going to say afterwards? Like, 
uh, that can still change, right? Like it seems that, that like they're allowed to change whether or not they approve a member a membership, like basically anytime they want, right? So like here's the thing, right? So like up until today, everyone who went to join a different federation had to give a letter of resignation to the USA Powerlifting. Does that still have to happen? Right. So if that doesn't happen, are those the people that are allowed to come back? And if like someone else is like, oh, I want to come back now who left, you know, two weeks ago, like, oh, we'll have your resignation here. You can't come back. Like they literally have a, like a, you know, a document saying like you they won't have do, to leave us. They won't do that only because I know these people resign and saying, they will, they will yeah, take but, them back. They are going to take back Amanda Lawrence, Russell or he and all them because they need them on their pro series. They want them back. The reason why they're saying, don't worry, you can all come back is because of it's, it's all their top stars. So that's why, like, I'm not saying they're going to do it out of like, you know, <laughs> for any I, other motives that Ryan, survival of. I love you, but you are hopelessly optimistic. <laughs> oh, no, I, I think what Bill is saying. No, but I think they're taking them back because it's better yeah, I, their self-preservation and interest for their their ideas of the pro series and their ideas of their nationals. They want Russell involved at this. They want Amanda well, Lawrence. Yeah, of they course, that's Kiker. why they changed the rule. Of course, exactly. Yeah, think, that's why I, I don't what, see them saying you can't come back. I think what Bill is saying is that the you know the top raw openlifters who resign they'll take back, but if a masters three or masters two raw lifter or a bench only lifter resign they can then say well we have your resignation letter here we're, we're not taking you back that's what bill's saying got you they're gonna yeah, pick and choose so, the thing is it's tough to pick and choose if you set precedents right i mean <laughs> well i don't know do they well, care i think I guess, is, is the question <laughs> i mean uh, yeah who knows i don't know how this is gonna shake yeah, and then and then how far back does this now like retroact right like the people that were sent in their resignation in 2018, 2017, well, who are they saying be, like, Bill? what's that? Well, I mean, I have one lifter that I used to coach D- Dylan Smith actually, who um, got caught in this hole. He was a, he was a, he had a lot of uh, USAPL lifters and he owns some property in USVI. So he wanted to go and represent USVI in 2019. Um, he ended up not going to the championships. He ended up getting injured before that. But um, so then when he tried to come back to our nationals, um, they're like, no, you, we have your resignation. You can't. This. He got caught up in the whole Kimberly Walford rule, basically. Um, but yeah, but someone, yeah, but someone like him, or, or even Kimberly Walford, if she was tomorrow, was like, hey, I want to come back. You think I, heard gonna, I can? Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I, I highly doubt that they're gonna. Basically, it's gonna be everyone who's left in the last two weeks. <laughs> if I had to guess, it is that weird they would, though. They would allow back. Could you? Could you bar? Like you, I guess. But it's weird that. Cause you don't have a strict rule to do this. So it'll become pick and but choose. This is literally a made up rule that happened yesterday. Today. I, I, I'll, I'll try to be uh, optimistic like you, Ryan, and say, yeah, they'll let these lifters back. But by these lifters, I mean what, what Bill's saying, like in the last two weeks, because they can say that these lifters left based on the situation of right. USAPL suspension going to USVI in order to be able to still get to worlds. Whereas previously it was just because they want to leave for different reasons and not because of this. So they can maybe make some argument for that. They might have uh, to tighten that up later and say, this yeah. is why we're going to. Yeah. But as far as like what they could still do or why they would still stick around. I mean, the few options I can think of that they may still want to try is that we don't know the details of it and we haven't heard the IPF side of it, but USAPL always talks about when this first was coming down the pipeline end of 2019 that WADA was telling the, the federations and, and IPF was telling the member federations of the IPF was that they had some kind of mill ground agreement. And at some point after that, 
the IPFs changed their mind and said, no more middle ground agreement. You have to do everything. So I wonder, was that true? Why was that changed? Does USAPL think they can still negotiate that middle ground agreement? And then from there, it depends on whether they want to, you know, bigger things and, you know, try and, you know, switch to the IPF EC and charge, vote different people out, try and go to WADA, try and go to CAS and stick around while they're working on those things. So those would be good faith movements. And it is important to say that because when I, when I'm being honest, when I say, I can't foresee why you're sticking around. If you morally in, in your values do not see a resolution and you want to leave and you said straight up, the only resolution is likely we're going to have to leave. That's when I'm like, I can't, if you're sticking around, then it can only be for like, you know, reasons, right. Not good. Not reasons best for the lifters, but reasons best for, as an entity, we can, we can block a competition coming in as an affiliate. And this is like, look, free market is what's good. But in their mind, it's best for the lifters. That's what this all keeps coming down to is that the two federations think they're doing what's best for the lifter, the IPF and USAPL think they're doing what's best for the lifter. Limiting, so limiting a lifter's options to go to an IPF affiliate in their home nation and, 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 and enter into the free market. If they openly said that, this is what's best for you. So we're going to do this decision. They would be, people would be upset. Like, I think that, I think the argument people would be upset. People would be like, man, like, Explain that to me, though. No, this I, I is in your best interest. We make this decision for you. That you you don't have the option to go to an IPF affiliate. We're going to stop it from being an option for you. It's in your best interest. We know better than you that what you should be doing. I don't know, man. That's tough. Well, I, th- I think the argument is that by USAPL continuing to do the drug testing that they're doing, that it's for the benefit of all the local level lifters. One. Two, by continuing to do this fight and get this, you know, middle ground through and be able to, you know, uh, forced IPF to do more testing or better testing, blah, 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 is better for those elite level lifters too. And three, now this new option of letting the lifters go through a different country, go do your worlds this year, go do your world games next year, May worlds next year, while we're figuring this out is temp is beneficial for those temporary lifters trying to get to worlds. I mean, and that's there. Okay. That sounds a lot better. Um, <laughs> you know, what are you about yeah, to so say? That, it's still possible that that's, that that's all in good faith, right? But I will point back to the letter that came out on the 11th of August, which the judge of the, the doping uh, panel actually references in his, uh, in his, in his decision. Uh, no solution appears possible other than the separation of our respective organizations. Like to me, that looks like the USAPL saying, we don't want to keep trying, right? Like if, they, uh, if a girlfriend said that to me, I would hear that as we're breaking up, right? Yeah, fair. <laughs> I don't think there's anybody that thinks they're still going to try to be an IPF affiliate. I really I, don't. I really don't think that anybody believes that. In no, this room, no, in this room, like literally, because literally, right it's come. It's it, Larry put it in black and white that we are going to separate. Basically, is there anybody but, in this conversation right now that actually believes the USAPL wants to stay with the IPF? I think there's 11 officers and among those 11 officers, the majority might be already done and ready to go. But I think there's one or two that think that if they had that middle solution where nationals and up is third party water tested and then regionals and locals as all our regular non water tested, that they'd be willing to stay. You know what I would have liked is like, I don't know, man, it's there. There's, there's a room full of people making some massive decisions on both sides. And like, 
there's a lot of people caught in the middle of this. I would love a massive vote on lifters in a federation. But that's like why I'm, you elect of- officials, right? So they can make the decisions for you. Yeah, but you that's also have referendums, whole, that, though. Yeah. You also yeah. have referendums for like really big decisions where it's like, this is bigger than just... Um, you know, our standard day to day, this is bigger than just which city gets the nationals or, or whatever. This is like, this is earth changing for a lot of people. So big that people on a national team are resigning and fleeing within a week of you being suspended before they even knew they could come back. Like they're, they're like refugees going to, you know, this is crazy and didn't, didn't know for sure whether to even get to the, just the possibility of getting to the IPF world championships was enough for them to be like, I'm out. Um, you know, and then, and they're stuck in this, holy smokes, I hope this works. And it looks like it is going to work, but all of it was just, you know, on the promise of it. It's tough. This is very tough, man. I'm not saying this is, all this is unprecedented. It's easy for me to say this right now, being like, I would have done this and would have done that. I'm just saying maybe in the future, now that we've seen how this has happened, maybe some federations are like, all right, we need to start maybe polling some people like, Hey guys, what would happen if we did this? Because and not assume because apparently a lot of people aren't going to say something openly until you force them to and then they bounce. Ironically, a uh, a member of uh, leadership member of the IPF uh, suggested that New Zealand poll its lifters at one point about something related to the world. Ironically, I, I, ironically, uh, one of the, uh, I actually, I've actually forgotten who it was, but somebody on, on behalf of, I think, the IPF uh, suggested that they, they poll New Zealand lifters to see if we should send a team to Worlds oh, for, or not. For um, this year, yeah. Uh, yeah, which, uh, which of course we didn't do. We, uh, as the sort of elected committee, uh, we said that that's not a good idea and we're not going to do that. But, but, but like that was a suggestion at the time. I mean, I think, I think so, that yeah. could be, a, and I was going to say, I think that could be one tactic in that, like, you know, going before the IPF Congress and presenting your side and all the information that you think you you've collected or whatever um, to the member nations can then show, you know, kind of like pull the member nations. Do they agree with the IPF EC or not? Cause IPF EC is the one who sent this, you know, to all the different committees and then to the judge and maybe the member nations feel differently. I think that could be one of the reasons why that second post from the IPF came out talking about the consequences of not being water compliant so that the member nations know what the consequences have been so far and what they can continue to be if all the countries are not water compliant, which could be, you know, you know, they're trying to work on the IOC recognition. They're involved with different uh, organizations like the FIJU. I would actually like to read this. Like, I think we should actually, I'm glad you brought this up, Barry, but I think as opposed to simply paraphrasing, let's, let's read it a little because not just, I think a lot of lifters are like, what's the big deal? Let us do this. Let us do that. And I got you. I think if you, if you don't want to be water compliant, do your own testing. I think 100% you guys should separate and do your thing and you should be able to do what you want to do. There are people who do untested entirely federation, um, you know, or there's divisions of or whatever. So I'm not against that. It's more or less, if you don't do water compliancy, openly state it and stick around with the IPF. This is what stands to happen to the IPF and all of their member nations. And if we could maybe read a couple segments on this. Sure. It says that the consequences of a member nation not complying with the code are far more serious and far reaching simple. And it even says simply far more reaching than simply ham- hampering our drive for IOC recognition. Um, it says we would no longer be water compliant ourselves. We would lose our IWGA international world games association membership and would be expelled from the world game, which is coming up in 10 months here in uh, Birmingham. 
We would lose FISU, F-I-S-U recognition, which is for uh, university sports and expelled from the university sport activities. Like they have the university uh, world cup, FISU world cup coming up next year. And also the um, university world games. So just like the regular world games, there is a university world games coming up, which powerlifting will eventually be involved in. So we lose that. Addition, we lose its membership in AIMS, A-I-M-S, which is another, you know, umbrella organization for sports, uh, GAFS, G-A-I-F-S, and all other umbrella federations. The IPF has, a, has the mandate from 133 member federations to ensure membership in all these umbrella organizations. And um, then it also, again, mentions not only the University World Games, but also mentions the Commonwealth Games and then the Masters World Game, which is, again, another World Games for Masters age lifters that Palfing is going to be getting into and we lose that. And um, so basically they're saying this would be a huge loss because we lose all those things plus the IOC recognition application. So for people who think you're doing all this just to get in the Olympics and it's never going to happen. Well, listen, all of these multi-sport games, like the Commonwealth games, I get it. America's not part of the Commonwealth. Canada is, and it's like the Pan Am games. Like the Commonwealth games is the Olympics, but it's freaking huge. You know, like there are some massive athletes from all over the world go to the Commonwealth games, like Usain Bolt and like Jamaica, whatever. All I don't got to tell you, uh, Rory from New Zealand, but um, it's huge. And these multi-sports, like the University Games, Masters, and the whole nine, it's multi-sport games, which are massive for us. And then when you think about trying to bring in sponsors to an international body like the IPF, it becomes a lot easier breaking onto these channels, onlining nations where 133 nations deep, getting up to be a part of these games, you start growing to be, how many more nations can you add? And some federal like governments are actually gonna give funding to this if you become a part of these, these games um, because they're, they're recognized like that. Um, Canada was actually a part where there was, you know, if you're, if you're a part of an IOC recognized sport, you're going to get some funding as an athlete. So, I mean, it's, it's not small. So when one nation publicly says we aren't going to be water compliant, it's not so much like, okay, I got you stand by your morals, the whole line and the whole nine. But if you don't leave and you want to stick around while still not being compliant, you know, you're putting the IPF non-compliant and then all of this good work all the meetings, all the every, I don't know where you even begin to start doing all this and putting it together structurally. All of this work, which which is a lot of volunteer time and a lot of people's efforts for decades. Um, and all of these nations that are in good faith, like, yes, this is where we're moving towards, right? When one nation is like, nah, nah, pff, I don't even like worlds. I'd rather just do our own thing in our own nation and do like our own, that's bigger, that's better. I don't even care about none of these things. Like, okay, all right, but you got to split. Yeah, so my read of this statement from the IPF is like not, is that we will not put the, this, the work that 132 other nations have done towards this at jeopardy because one nation or one, one team from one nation is choosing not to comply, right? Like, is that, is that your guys' read as well? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's just explaining where people like, why are you doing this IPF? And it's like, you got to look beyond just your one nation and understand every other nation is like, you have to, I gotcha. You have to though. And the other USCPL sees this coming. We all knew at some point this was going to happen, including leaving. I think, I think a year from now, it's going to be, you know, like hopefully they've already left if they're leaving. 
but yeah, dragging this out the whole nine. It's, 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 it's tough, man. Every other nation is going to make what's going on here. Yeah. I think that another thing to know, which you kind of like hinted at, and I was thinking about a couple of times now in the different conversations is that um, some people might look at this, even with, you know, now it's not just world, it's, you know, world games, university games, Commonwealth games. Some people are like, Oh, who cares? You know, it's just like a world championship. You're not making any money. Like who cares? It's just Commonwealth games. But I, I think you're seeing that like you guys were hinting at some of these lifters or a lot of these lifters were willing to resign their USAPL membership, never come back, switch over to USVI during a pandemic just to go to Worlds and compete. Like that's how badly they wanted it. And for X. <laughs> exactly. That's how badly they want to go to World Games. That's how badly when people hear University World Games, there's universities in the U.S. that are dying to go. And they're wondering now, probably, can we go through USVI? Can we send an entire university team through USVI? Are you kidding me, dog? And then, you know, a lot of times the master lifters feel like they're neglected. Like, you know, the juniors and the opens get all the love. They get all the money. They get all the Instagram posts. And the master's like, yo, what about us? Like, you know, we're here, you know, still lifting in our 60s, 70s, 80s. Well, now you got the master's world games coming. That's going to be a great opportunity for them. And they're all going to be wanting to die to go. And then the, the other point I just wanted to bring up, which you guys mentioned too, and I see online, people are saying like, oh, well, would you rather come for money? Like, you know, our nationals, we gave out 20000 we got the uh, December uh, Virginia meet with prize money. It's like that. Or would you rather win a world title? And it's like a lot of people are choosing the world title and the world championship, but there's also some people that get to choose both. Why not? You get to go win a world title and win money rather than just going to, you know, a local meet in Virginia and winning possibly money. So I've, I've, I've said this before, and I'm, I'm going to keep beating this dead horse where it's like, let me give you a scenario, man. You're 24 years old from the Midwest and you you win the U.S. Raw Nationals, SPD signs you, you were going to fly to the other side of the world, all expenses comped, full kit, thousands of dollars being spent just to get you there, show up at a true international event, experience an international event, a world championship of that level, and if you win, you get $6,000 in your pocket, which is probably more than what you're going to have to win probably more money than you'll win best lifter at one of these money meets. Like that's, that's a decent K for just your weight class. You don't have to win best lifter at the worlds. And then you get the ticket to go to Sheffield, which is $300,000 being given away in one night. And we're talking, give that up. Like that's an money or world title. That's not how that's actually not how it's working though. It's, it's, it's not, it doesn't money. have to be a, it doesn't have to be a trade-off, but like, it doesn't just have to be about the money either. Right. Like sure. as a kid, I grew up watching the all blacks, the silver ferns, like the Olympics would come on. I remember the first Olympics I remember watching was the rugby, Sydney Olympics. Right? And, uh, sorry. Yeah. Yes. Rugby. <laughs> okay. We know it because no, all blacks are rugby, yeah, silver yeah. ferns and netball. Um, oh, perfect. The, fir- the first Olympics that I remember watching was the 2000 Olympics, which were held in Sydney, which is only about a two hour time difference from Auckland, which meant that I got to watch How fucking everything. How old are you? 2000? I'm 27, dude. I was born. I know. I'm, I'm joking, but like, yeah. come on. I was like, I was like, I was like six when that happened. And he's okay? by we were, far we were, the adult of us too. Which we were is grown men. Ahead, Rory, I'm sorry. Uh, you guys, you fuckers, are giving me gray hair. Um, but because because the time difference to Sydney was so small, I could watch everything. Right, like every time a New Zealander was on, it was on TV, and I was six, so I didn't have responsibilities, and so I just watched all of it. Um, and when you represent New Zealand, they have these, these black jerseys. They're all black. Um, so like even, even the team that called the Silver Ferns, the jersey's still black. Um, and, and so like 
going to the world championships. So like I, I have competed at the world championships, going to the world championships and getting to wear the black soft suit, the black t-shirt, the black socks with the New Zealand down the side. Like after having grown up watching that and being like, I, I want to do that. I want to be that. Like that's an irreplaceable feeling that winning like a few thousand dollars, like doesn't, doesn't even come close to Right. Like, let, let me let, listen. This is, let me be as blunt as possible because I think it's silly. So let me put it to, let, let me just stomp this out right now. Cause people are talking like, you know, they're, they're talking like this, this is <laughs> the USAPL is going to be a career for people. Well, you know, vision down the road, maybe, but as it stands right now, you go the IPF route, there's far more money waiting for you if you can go that far. But um, sure, let's talk about, let, let, let's say. Which are probably the, the people that are going to win the money at the pro yeah. events. If, if, right? if, they, if they stick or, around. Right. Yeah, 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 right. If they stick around. But look, at if you have a bunch of smaller meets and it's like 5K here, 4K there, 3K there, if you win best lifter out of everybody who shows up, including like Ashton Rouska and fucking Taylor Atwood, if they stick around for this, let's say you have to beat Ashton Rouska and Taylor Atwood for 3K. You will not find a world champion in any sport at the top end. Go to any Olympian, go to any world champion in any of those, you know, and, and, and be like, can I take away your gold medal? in all the experience you had and the stories you had and everything you told your parents watched you and everything you lose it all. And I take it from your memory, but I'll give you $3,000. Hey, I, I want to remind everyone, there's this uh, study, there's this poll that they put out every time the Olympics happens. And they ask, they ask, uh, I don't think they ask everyone. They ask a sample of people at the Olympics. If you could take a pill today, which would mean that you win gold medal in your event this week, but you die a year from today, would you take it? They ask this every Olympics and every Olympics, about 50% of the people of the poll say that they would fucking die to win a gold medal at the Olympics, right? Like, well, clearly that, considering how many people showed up during a pandemic to, <laughs> to oh, the Olympics. Yeah, but, right. Yeah. Like, okay. So the, the Olympics is like, like special, <laughs> right? Like uh, the, the Olympics is the, the greatest show on earth or debatably. Um, but like the, <laughs> these are some of the kinds of people that you're trying to say, Hey, look, there's a $200,000 prize pool, which asterisks we have to split between 16 people or 32 people or whatever over the next five meets to like, that's it's, it's not a no, lot compared for, for people who are willing to die for it. It's, it's um, when people say like, when they try to act like you would trade off if that, if those are your shoes, you like life is not like $3,000, the biggest moments in your life, you wouldn't, you could not buy away the biggest moments of my winning a fucking world championship in a sport you've dedicated. You work like it's a part-time job every day for years and you win a world title. You can't buy away that moment for three K and people talk like you're dumb. If you don't, well, like it doesn't pay the bills brother it's 3k you're not buying a house like what do you what, what is your lifestyle the 3k is going to impact you that much that you give away a massive part of your life and you can't tell me you don't care and it's not a big deal because you're dedicating hours every day like two to three hours every day so don't tell me it's not a big deal you're literally training on this constantly for nothing and then you go, you got an opportunity to go to the world championships and be champion of the world. Your parents watch it. 
everybody sees it, something you tell your kids, your grandkids, it doesn't, whatever the saber meat in 30 years, and I'm not knocking the saber meat, but in 30 years may not be relevant to the general public, but in 30 years, everyone will know what a world champion is, even if they didn't follow your sport. You wouldn't give that away for $3,000. And to be like, and you won't even remember what you spent the $3,000 on in 35 years when you gave up the memory of the world championship. It's silly to me. You can't. I'm not even winning world titles and I have memories. You cannot take a moment for me for 3K. You know, this is uh, and we're talking about uh, the elite, uh, and we're talking about the elite of the elite, right? There's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people that are paying more money than that to go and come in 20th place just for the experience of this. And that's how special it is. Like life, I know so, I know some lifters from countries that go and take loans out so they can pay to go to world championships every year. Right. And I mean, they're going to come in the top 10 in their weight class. I mean, they have zero chance of winning a medal, but they literally go to the bank every year and they work out a loan to you know, get so they can come pay for worlds and they pay, pay it off in installments the rest of the year. Like that's what a it good, means to people. That's yeah, hard, sorry. man. A, a good friend of mine who is also a powerlifting coach and myself have this thing where we, we encourage our lifters to compete at the highest level that anyone will let them compete at regardless of where they're going to place, right? Like if they have the opportunity to go to Worlds and come like 17th out of 32 or something, I, I always tell them to fucking take it. If they have the opportunity to go to the Commonwealth Champs and come like fourth out of out of, out of of 19 or whatever, like not podium, none of that, but like they have the opportunity, opportunity to travel for their sport. Again, they get, to, they get to wear the black jersey, right? Like their whole family stays up and watches them on TV overnight while they're competing, right? Like that, that's like... What do you, what do you trade that for? Like, Listen, that's, it's amazing. Let me just get this out and I'll throw it to you here. And I know you want to say something. I'm the IPF commentator, blah, blah, blah. The four years. That's what you sound like too. When you do it. Blah, 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 blah. Four blah, blah. years. I wasn't paid money. And then eventually they tighten it up. Like we have professionals now. You're one of them. Um, and you're actually going to be paid for what you do. But I did it. Just, I would just, I'd be flown out there, but I didn't make a fucking dime. I used my vacation time from work, showed up, sat in that seat, 16 hour days, hustled. And at no fucking point in time, could you say, I'll pay you 3K and you don't go this year. Go fuck yourself. I'm sitting in that chair and I'm living life. And I loved every goddamn minute of it. I can't, I can't tell you how appreciative I am of having that role to going to all the world championships, seeing all the sessions I've seen and seeing what I've done, meeting the people I've met, going into all the banquets, the warm-up room right before a big showdown when everybody's in like, oh shit, son, it's about to hit the fan. It's, it's no, man. No, 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 no. 3K, 5K. Dog, I did it for no K. And I took time off work and flew across the world to do it. So when someone's telling me, you know, but it doesn't pay the bills, I got a job. I'm good. I didn't go to school for powerlifting. I got a job. We're good. You know, this isn't why I'm doing this. I don't think any of us are doing this for money. So this is just icing on the cake. So, you know, and, and when we talk about like, people talk about it's like Conor McGregor money or like it's life, none of it's life changing. To say, the vision is it does become that. All right. I'm not dismissing money, but I just think the argument's silly. But okay, let's talk about $177,000 being doled out at IPF Worlds and 300 k being doled out at Sheffield. That's that. <laughs> but if, if you want money, we could do the money route and there's more money in the IPF. Arian, I'm sorry, dog. You go ahead. Ryan, I was going to say, yeah, uh, you couldn't pay me $3,000 to miss that Belarus banquet. 
Oh fuck! Yeah, <laughs> yeah dog. I uh, still go back to that video, uh, Ariane, from from that Belarus banquet. My I, love, I, I like my my Bill video. I keep that one around. But <laughs> but the other point I was going to mention, uh, adding on to Bill's point, was the sub junior lifters because typically they have to bring their parent with them too, and so that costs a lot more money having two people possibly or more flying to all these places, hotel rooms, all that stuff like that, and. There's so many sub juniors and their parents that are sad and or angry right now that for another year, they can't go to world. Some of them are aging out. Some of them aged out last year and they're missing out on their opportunity um, over something that's not in their control. You know, they've been training, paying a coach, like, you know, going to the gym. Um, they had planned all the, you know, plane tickets, hotels, all that stuff like that. And they were willing to make all that sacrifice to go to worlds. And get, you know, maybe not in first place, maybe fourth place, fifth place, sixth place. Just say they went, say they had the jacket and now they don't have the chance. Doug, you're, you're not all these. And this is a great point. I'm glad you brought this up. All these juniors, you know, when you have the money they say they have for the pro series, it's going to, it has to, if it's going to be at all enticing for the open lifters has to be divided amongst the open lifters. And even then we already seen the open lifters made their decision. Like, yeah, I got you. I'll, I'll take the IPF for Thank you very much. So then are you actually going to split that with juniors as well? Can you imagine being a junior and be like, well, why am I staying around? What's my incentive? I'd rather just thank you very much. Go to the world championships and try to win or play. Or even if I'm just showing up, oh my God, if I'm a 15 year old kid and my parents are like, yeah, we'll go to Sweden. You know, this is, this is something we go with the family. We get to watch you. That's freaking crazy, man. And you're sticking around for what? There's not going to be money. You're not beating this 15 year old ain't beating Ashton for that money. So what's the plan here? The juniors, the sub juniors, the future. How does that going to work? Oh, well, split the money amongst them, but it's 200 K split over a year. And you have thousands of people here. So how is this going to work? You know, you can't, it, I don't, I'm not sure. So I'm just saying like, I good, fine. Do the pro series. I'm, I'm, I just don't like when people talk about like, put down a life experience. Like, it, it's for the money. What money are we talking about here? <sighs> you better come big. If you're going to talk about money, if, if your whole thing and argument is about money, 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 you got to watch how much you stress that because when the details come out about the payouts, it better be fucking big because you built it like that. If you've said too many times in your stories and too many times in the comments and too many times in your posts of would you rather win a title or would you rather win money? You better be careful if the money isn't right. You know, just don't set yourself up and be like, here's 5K. Because Russell or he's going to be like, yeah, I bet. Okay, I'll, I'll see. <laughs> right. We'll see what's up with that. Or any of these people. You know, they're like, yeah, all right. Okay, well. But again, just to harp on this, they keep saying that they're, the reason that they're not WADA compliant is because they don't want to cater to the 1%. They want to cater to the masses. But then they're coming up with this pro series that's, we don't have details yet, but we're all assuming that it's going to be catering to that 1% again, right? The like best, best of the best case. lifters. What's best that? case, it caters to like maybe 5%, right? Or, right. or but more likely one, the same, more exact same 1% as, as, as would be who go to worlds and go to Sheffield and right. Exactly. So like for me, I mean, it just makes more sense to spread that money around to the local level stuff and have these, like I said, kind of last time, these state championships and fund those state championships for every, so everyone has a chance to win a little bit of cash instead of a couple of people have a chance to win a lot of money. That just, it just makes more sense as a federation that when you want to say, I, 
I don't want to cater to the 1%. Well, cool. Let's see the money at that Maryland state championships this year or next year. That'd be great. I mean, it's, I don't know, man, but it makes sense. But you know what I'm saying though? Cause they keep saying the money's going to be big. Yeah. And they also keep saying like, we're doing this for, for the, the, the grassroots lifter. We're doing this for the Federation, not for the 1%. Uh, it I won't guess be, if you did that, so let me just get this all three there. If you did that, it's going to be very small payouts though. Cause there's too many, of course. But again, yeah. those are the people that want the, like that, that. Right. That's where you, you hook in those people. Right. Is, is the, the person who's been lifting for five, six years, whatever only does States and regionals or, you know, does nationals and comes in 30th place, whatever it is. Right. But you hook them into, Oh, I can win 300 bucks at this meet 300, 200, 100 for top three. Guess what? what? We I'm doing up, that meet every year and I'm staying with this because that's a cool thing. Well, you'll you, end you up being tell- though, it's a feeder feeder league to the IPF. Well, that'll have much bigger money already has much bigger money. So if someone starts rising up the ranks can actually make be competitive in the IPF and win the IPF worlds, they're going to make like six K and then go to Sheffield and make like fucking 20 K. And then you're making like 25 to 30 K a year. Like you're a feeder league. If you do that route. And I, and I don't, I know that they're, I'm just saying, like, I don't, you can't have it all. So you're right. Like, fuck it. If they're like, maybe we're a feeder league, but I don't think they're ever going to say that to themselves. But then, then what's the reasoning for them to stay? Like, what's the reasoning for like local lifters to stay with USAPL and not go to USPA drug tested? The reason with to, this pro series, the pro series is, well, we don't know. We don't know. There's no, no you're right. You're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. You're, thank that's, you. You're right. Yeah. But yeah, Arian had something. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say, I guess the, argument as far as like you know this being for the 95 percent for the grassroots level lifters is that you're going to continue to do your testing which is what the grassroots level lifters want so if you if you sign the water agreement and went to a little to no local level testing then you'd be hurting those lifters but if you stick with your testing you're helping those lifters and then you're just using the money that you're using for the elite level lifters to put in this pro series but i do like your idea bill of like hooking people because like you know i was just thinking because i went to uh, grocery shopping before this like a lot of times you want to buy stuff that's like you know like buy one, get one free or buy two, get three, or get the third one free. Like, what if you like, yeah, you, you won your state championship. You got like free membership for the following year. So then you're hooked in to come back the following year and do more meets or like, you know, yeah, you, you win two of the pro series, you get entry into the third pro series for free something like that. Different things like that, where you, you don't even have to give out cash money to people. You just give them some kind of gift card or value into staying inside the system. Like the hometown showdown, right? There's like yeah, $50,000 of value in this thing. And it's like, Yeti coolers and fucking certificates. What, what, what if we had a what if we had a USAPL coin and then you can like you know buy, buy stuff with your USAPL coin that you win at meets. Yeah, I'm imagining like a John Wick kind of thing where like some dude like 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 what it, Dave Ricks and and the new Dave Ricks and in, in 40 years has like a like a basement with a like a concrete thing that's basement where he's got like 400 of these U- these USAPL coins and one day he's like I'm gonna fuck shit up and he comes out with 400 USAPL coins and he's just like splashing cash around. He, he probably gave his coin to Larry. He's like. I need a favor. <laughs> Send me to Worlds. I'm going to Worlds and I'm going to come back. I need I'm coming back. Dog, the, the, in 40 years old, the new David Ricks is 20 years old right now. Let's just let that sink in. What, what, what kind of shoes do you think he's wearing? <laughs> yeah. Nice. But that is, yeah. Um, I also wanted, let, let's talk about, because this kind of rattled me, the Raw Nationals for US in 2020, or sorry, 2022 is scheduled the exact same time as IPF World Championships 2022. I, I so it's not just so it's not just raw nationals. It's it's all the nationals minus the high school and collegiate and junior, right, Arian? 
yeah, t- teens combined with high school, juniors combined with collegiate. So right. yeah, it's youth, masters, open, bench press, and for open, it's raw and equipped. And they're and what worlds are they aligning with? Is it just open? Just classic, just open is, classic. In this, uh, so why? Why would they do this? I, I know they've I know they've mentioned already for you know a couple of weeks or months now that they wanted to keep the same structure as far as the you know the teen and high school together, the junior and the collegiate together, and then having all the rest of them that they had in Daytona again next year. And they had already mentioned that they wanted to do a similar time in summer. So I know they're eyeing those. But yeah, it was interesting when someone noticed, oh, that's the exact same start date and end date at Worlds. Um, it's it's also not summer, by the way. Well, you don't consider June, <laughs> June, June twenty first is summer. But anyway, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm just it's, just being it's literally nitpicky. Not You're going nitpicky. Down. Yeah, nitpicky. It's a, that's an American thing. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's down to like you know the exact same start date and end date. Though the other thing I'll I'll mention though is that sometimes for IPF Worlds they do put in bids in for certain days. Sometimes you know they just here and there depending on what size they think or if they you know they have to make a deal with the hotel stuff. So, who knows? Maybe worlds will shift over a week or something like that on purpose. Oh, Vegas, why would you? Vegas, why would you put baby? it the same? What do you think? <laughs> say Just it, say it. No, I, I'm asking because they're asking. being competitors. They're trying to. Enti- they're trying to entice their raw, open lifters to stay in their federation. They're forcing That's people all. to make a choice. Like it's yeah. it's it's their business decision where they're saying the IPF is now a competitor. Like assuming that we're splitting. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna make it so that you can't do both. Here's a really appealing option: Las Vegas in June. Like it's relatively close to home. It's a cool place. You don't have to go to South Africa for it. Um, and it's exactly the same date, so you got to choose. And it's gonna be the pro pro series biggest yep. money event. We're gonna for, make all of the Americans. Sure. Everyone in America is gonna watch the sure. USAPL Nats instead of watching uh, the right. World Championships. Like, but again, whatever. this will probably have the most m- money involved in it also, I would assume, based off of, you know, the timing of it. Let's put it that way. For, yeah, for, yeah, likely. Yeah, amongst the, their giveaway. The prize money, yeah. Of their $200,000, yeah, pot. I wonder if, if um, like, long-term bill, if the idea would be to make Nationals have the biggest prize money or the Arnold have the biggest prize money. So, like, you know, coming up next year, the Pro Series starts ending with, 2023 Arnold having the biggest prize so that you still have a true national championship where people are going after titles and then right. you have the Arnold where people go after money. Yeah. So, I mean, so what it was this year was 20,000 at nationals. Yeah. And then it was like 45,000 at the Arnold yep. was, um, or 2020, the last Arnold we had. Um, and that was kind of down a little bit because of the amount of, you know, people and, and sponsorships and that kind of stuff because of the, that was right at the beginning of the pandemic, basically. Um, but yeah, if you're talking again, if you're talking 45,000, I mean, that's 25% of your money. Um, so yeah, I can see that, but also are they going to keep paying for the Arnold? Cause I mean, it, it's expensive to compete at the Arnold. I'm assuming, right. I mean, to, 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 um, you know, secure your spot there. I'm assuming it's expensive for USAPL. Yeah. I'm not sure how it works, but I believe they get that C-Pod venue for free, but I don't oh, okay. know about that's even the, better the, the stage time may be free as well. I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. Let, yeah. Let, so then forget it then. So then that's great. So then they can keep going without, you know, kind of damaging the, uh, the money they have in reserve for, for um, prize money. 
I don't want to move away from U.S. Nats aligning with IPF Worlds just yet, though. Uh, one thing I do want to say, like a couple scenarios here. Um, so if they are to stay and purposely try to stay, which blocks an IPF affiliate from coming in. So now they are a suspended nation. The suspension rolls past the U.S. Nats and past the IPF Worlds. And they're staying, so there's no no affiliate coming in. And their nationals is happening the exact same time as Worlds. This is really going to be, you know, how would a lifter then, if they're going to make it to the IPF World Championships and they stayed, so there is no affiliate in place to have a qualifier, now you're forcing lifters to, with foresight, have gone to the USVI nationals in February, though, you got to start making planning way ahead of time. Like this becomes more and more difficult for someone to go the IPF route. I want to point out one assumption that you made there, Ryan, which, which isn't necessarily true. You said that lifters would have had to have gone to USVI nationals. Um, each federation is free to pick their team the way that they choose. Mm. And so in the USAPL, you get your spot by winning. And then there's like a complicated process for, for if somebody doesn't choose to take that. Um, I think, I believe Canada is largely the same, um, but not every country has to follow that, right? And so it could be, I don't, I don't know the specifics of the USVI. So one of you guys jump in if you, if you do know, but it could be that they choose to pick their team in another way. It might be that they pick the person with the highest total in that weight class from any meet over the previous 12 months or something like that, in which case they don't actually have to physically attend the USVI nationals. Um, so that's, it's a good point, but, but, but you would need to look into exactly how USVI chooses to pick their team. And it could be that they don't know how they pick their team yet, because up until now they've only had like a handful of competitors True. and just everyone who's wanted to go could go. Um, so like this, I, may I be believe, I believe before, yeah, I believe before this USAPL exodus that you had to compete at nationals to be that considered for world championships. That was the rule okay. last week. Okay. Going forward. Well, okay. So that was that, so that was the rule last week and and yeah. that might tra- change drastically yeah, yeah. now that they've gone they've got a really big number of competitors right. that don't necessarily live in the USVI. Right. But at least it's announced now too. So now people know that the USAPL Nationals is the same time as Worlds and that if, you know, the suspension sticks around then they know okay, USVI Nationals is coming up. Maybe, yeah, they're told, hey, for this year, we'll allow you to come on the team because it's short notice. But for next year, you have to come to our nationals. And then it'll be like, yeah, who wants to go to nationals? How many spots can they take at their nationals? If, like, they don't fill in all their national team spots from nationals, can they then do what you said, Roy, and pull from the other meets to fill in those other spots? And so some of those lifters might just have to stay USVI for, like, let's say 12 months. Do Worlds this year. Do USVI nationals next year. Do Worlds next year and then figure out what's going on and decide from there. The, the ones that might get hurt, are the ones who maybe can't get into the USVI nationals, like let's say, you know, they won't take as many, you know, sub juniors, they won't take as many masters for, they won't take as many bench only. And then also the coaches that have to decide, there are some elite coaches out there that would have to coach some lifters at USAPL nationals and some people at IPF worlds, and they have to choose which one they're going to. It also needs to be said, and I don't know if this is a mistake by the USAPL or not, but the IPF worlds for 2022 will be a Sheffield qualifier. So if we're going to do this money, money, money thing in the best of the best 300,000 in one day, I mean, that's fucking phenomenal. Um, 
So if that's, uh, I mean, that's a really big ask for people to look past. If you're talking to like Amanda Lawrence, Taylor Atwood, Russell Orhe, and it's like, yeah, 2022 is going to be the Sheffield qualifier. And then at Worlds, you're going to make money and be covered for expenses and blah, 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 just like usual as well. Um, I mean, they're like a hundred, just shy of 180,000 from just SBD alone is getting doled out at the IPF Worlds. So if you want to talk money, money, there's a lot of money there as well, but there's like a lot of money going down that Sheffield. It's the ultimate money meet. So then, you know, that's a big one. Rory, go ahead. IPF just brought in a new uh, platinum level sponsor as well. Right. And so there's a, there's a reasonable chance that that amount of money is just going to, going to keep going up. Well, I mean, that's what, and that's where when you're the more and more games you enter and you have more and more international face and you're in front of like, you know, the uh, global sports, all these other sports like that. Yeah. Sponsors start opening up from all over the place. So real quick, Arian mentioned about, you know, having some of the coaches having to choose between going to us raw or us nationals or going to classic worlds to coach their lifters. Well, a, if the USAPL is still suspended at this point, they, they need to choose which federation they're going to, because you can't be a member of USA powerlifting and go to worlds and coach or lift or referee because you're suspended. Then if USAPL actually leaves before this happens, then you have to either be part of a non-WADA compliant federation and you're not allowed to be part of the IPF at all. Or you have to go and switch to A, the new affiliate, A or B, the US Virgin Islands or whatever, whatever's going on that time to actually go to Worlds to referee, to coach or to lift. Like we're just talking about the lifters right now. But like this impacts a bunch of coaches also because of this rule that was passed a couple months ago. Yeah. So for your day-to-day coaching, that probably won't be impacted very much, but your meet day handling, you have to choose basically, right? Like you're going to have to choose between whatever the IPF affiliate is and probably the USAPL, which probably won't be the IPF affiliate, like, like being honest. Right. Um, and, and that's a decision, which is, it's not exactly going to be a one-way door, but it will probably be like very difficult to go backwards um, in many right. cases. Well, you can uh, go backwards, right? You can, so you can go to the, you could say, I'm not going to be in the USAPL. I'm going to the IPF route and go coach. And then you can come back to USAPL as per their statement today. But then as soon as you come back, you're now suspended for 12 months from the IPF. Yeah. So you could go backwards and forwards. It's just like right. slow and painful to do yeah, it. You right, can right. do it week by week or month <laughs> right. by month or anything like that. Right. Yeah, right. No, you, you can go like, you know, coach sub juniors or masters, like, you know, or, or sorry, the first day of open, like June 6th, June 7th of worlds, and then come back to Vegas, buy your USAPL membership on the eighth and then coach at nationals <laughs> the rest of the way. The, the other Sign thing I was going to fuck up. The, the other thing I was going to imagine, yeah, South Africa, the Vegas, that must be fun. The other <laughs> thing I was going to mention though, is that regardless of all this stuff going on, it's also a world games year, which typically means depending on when nationals is and worlds are compared to world games that some of the lifters don't do all of them. So with the nationals being one month before the world games for these lifters that are going to worlds, if they make world games, let's say Bonica, Kelsey McCarthy and Newt Douglas, Ian Bell, Joe Capolino, and they all qualify for World Games in July, they're not going to come back and do the Nationals in June. So regardless of all this, you're going to lose some of the top equip lifters who qualify for World Games, and then you could potentially lose some of the top raw lifters who are just going to stick with USBI so they can go to Worlds and go to Sheffield. It's tough, man. I don't know if this – I'm not sure how this is going to go. 
if this, um, cause this could obviously backfire just like with the IPF worlds, when you saw a mass exodus of the U S national team. And then, I mean, if you schedule this like this and I'm sure you have to schedule in advance, um, you know, but frig man, that's it. The dates lined exactly on, uh, that's a tough one, man. Maybe the IPF world does have to change it at some point though. You know, host nation gets it and they're like, you know, our venues and whatnot, we won the bid, but we need to move it. Hopefully that's the case. Still, I mean, it's, if you move a week over, someone's not going to lift that nationals in the next week, lift that IPF worlds. Like, well, they can't. They Again, well, they yeah, can't. yeah, 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 yeah. It would um, just be as far as viewership and maybe, um, yeah, you're right, you know, yeah. if, if they go before, then a coach should go to worlds and then come back or something like that. And viewership too. Like that is tough. You know, uh, that's definitely a play because U.S. is a lot of viewers. U.S. is a, a lot of, I think a lot of people assume that the majority of viewers are, are in the United States, but it's probably worth pointing out that the, the center of mass of the IPF is, is actually largely Europe, right? And in particular, uh, Sun City and South Africa, the time zone lines up much better with Europe for, for Europe viewing than the American one does. Is that right? That there, there's more members in Europe than there is in the U.S.? I don't know that uh, I can I can I can confirm that if you like uh, for equipped it's definitely true um, uh, for but, equipped but, yeah for sure yeah but for but if someone simply told me that there, there was more viewers in America than Europe I would want them to prove that because it's not like it, it isn't clear cut enough that I would I would simply take that at face value you know what I'm saying fair enough yeah I was gonna say they have more member nations in Europe than like North America or South America and like that but as far as total number of powerlifters I'm not sure but. Also, some of these European countries have a different system where you have to be like a club of a powerlifting gym to then be able to go to like the competitions. So who knows? Maybe sometimes they'll like just play worlds at their club while people are training and hanging out and watch parties and stuff like that, where you don't get that as much in the U.S. where people will like, you know, put on IPF worlds at their, you know, commercial gym, LA Fitness or whatever and watch. And oh, we, is- do, we do watch parties here. Um, uh, for USAPL Nets, actually, I got up at four o'clock in the morning and drove to my athlete Thomas Delamore's house. Um, and me, him, his girlfriend, and one, one another athlete that I coach. Wait, he has a girlfriend? <laughs> and you nerds did this? I don't believe it. That's the most <laughs> amazing part of the girlfriend, story. Ryan. That's the most uh, amazing part of the story. <laughs> yeah, so so we we watched the uh, the heavy men op- uh, heavy men at USAPL Nats this year at like sort of four o'clock in the morning and at his house like it's totally a thing here. Fair enough. and you know what it, it like it's not just Europe either like like South America Asia um, obviously Canada like there's a lot of freaking nations that are are gonna watch but we also I I enjoy I love watching the US Raw Nats as well I don't want to choose myself man I mean I don't want to I could you could try to do I guess you could well. I, I am going to choose. I'm maybe, what am I talking about? I'm going to be commentating at one of them. <laughs> of course. You're going to be commentating at, Ryan? What's that? Well, well obviously. <laughs> come on. You just gotta Which check one? The, yeah, that's right. You have to check the time difference, Ryan, where you can commentate IPF World and then see when USAPL Nationals the next day starts and just stay awake for it. There, yeah, probably. Just watch I, powerlifting like 20 hours a day. I was going to say, there's no... <laughs> Fucking way! I want twenty hours of power. Can you imagine? That's Just too much. Stick the caffeine straight on my veins so I can watch it live. God, man. Um, yeah, that, that yeah, that sucks. I am gonna miss it live. I'm gonna have to catch highlights then. That sucks. Yeah. Man. I, I like watching the live stream. There. Yeah, I like right, watching I mean, live stream for certain lifters or certain sessions. But there are times I I like seeing the highlights, especially these days 
um, all the federations, the IPF are doing a really good job of like, you know, posting up world records really quick, posting up day one highlights. So it's King of Lists, by the way. And you can just watch. I mean, you just repost them. You don't actually make them yourself. Oh, you fucking guy. You. I literally, I hate the highlight stuff. Like for, from as far as like a live competition, like I either rather watch it live or I wait for no spoilers and I'll watch it like on YouTube or whatever. So I can actually like in my head, play the game with it and stuff yeah. like that. So um, I kind of have, you know, going into it fresh, whatever. Um, so like sometimes Aaron will like text me about something. I'm like, no, 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 don't tell me, don't tell me. Fuck off, man. I gotta watch it. I gotta watch it. <laughs> no spoilers, no spoilers. Come on. <laughs> yeah, next year it's gonna be nuts if I gotta commentate and then I gotta rock and roll with the social media for the US Raw Nats as well. I'm gonna need help for sure. I mean, this is next year Ryan's problem. God knows it's gonna <laughs> that poor bastard. Don't worry, uh, Ariane's gonna win the uh, King of the Lefts accounts off you before then, anyway. So, yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's it. Erie, it'll be suspended in the U.S. I'm like, this works out well, actually. This actually yeah. works out quite well. He'll be at national. <laughs> yeah, we'll be at nationals posting our shit, and you'll be at worlds posting your shit. You that's guys right. are good. We're good. That's right. We're good to go. Yeah, Aaron, you also wanted to talk a little bit about um, historically speaking with the ROC. Is that right? I mean, I just wanted to mention it because, you know, it was brought up um, that the judge didn't pick that situation, but even though we had mentioned it, um, and then some people had seen at the recent world championships, the sub junior junior masters that, you know, IPF would post on their social media, this person from Russia hit a world record, or you'd watch live stream, you would see where, them wearing their Russian track uniform um, on the podium and wearing and playing the national anthem. Some people are wondering, oh, the IPF isn't following the rule. So I thought the same thing. Why aren't they following the rule? And so I asked, and I guess it, the rule is applied depending on the, for us, in our case, the age division of the lifter. So they see the like elite level lifters as being the open age division. So if it's a open only world championship, like it's classic open worlds, only no other age divisions there, then you have to do the ROC. You can't wear the Russian track suits and you can't do the Russian anthem. They're going to play something from Tchaikovsky instead for each of the winners. If it's a only age division, like let's say sub junior and junior worlds, they are not considered those like international elite level lifters. So they can wear their Russian track uniforms and play the Russian anthems. And in the case of it's a multi-age division, um, like coming up, it's going to be, you know, sub juniors, juniors, masters open. They could split it and do it that way where the open has to do ROC. But I guess they just don't want to deal with it. It's going to be like, you know, too confusing. What yeah. if they forget and telling lifters? So for the championship, like Classic Worlds coming up, they're just going to make everyone go ROC just so it's easy to, you know, everyone's going to be not wearing the Russian track uniform and everyone's going to get that uh, separate national anthem and not get the Russian national anthem. So that falls into the guidelines that WADA gave to them to apply depending on the age division. Too. I thought the national team was sponsored by Jay Z for a second. That's what I thought it was. They're gonna play some Jay Z. Knew that joke was coming. I was just waiting for it. I literally was that. waiting for it. I had that holster for two and a half hours waiting for you, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, the the room is warm, and I'm gonna ask Arian to cue me up, and I waited patiently for it, for him to stop talking. That's all I needed, Arian. Thank you. What was the? Uh, who did you say they were gonna play? Uh, Tchaikovsky. And Rory, you could probably name me three songs and tell me about his bio, I bet you. Uh, I can't, but I'm pretty sure he was the composer of Swan Lake. He did a lot of famous Russian ballets and things like that. Oh, this fucking guy never lets me down. He never feeds for you. are good, you. You're good. <laughs> 27 years old, ladies and gentlemen. 27 years old. Um, all right, fellas, is there anything else you think we should toss out there? Do you think that's a wrap? This is an emergency podcast. 
Do you think USAPL at their nationals takes that whole $200,000, puts it on roulette and to see if they win some extra money to juice up the pots a little bit? Yeah, exactly. Listen, if the year didn't go as planned and like, they're like, it, it is just a total shit show. Like, okay, well, these didn't work out as planned. I say do it. And if it works, they're like, if, if they hit it, it's like, well, fucking the IPF is about to go down. And we, we're going full on million dollar giveaways. And like, you know, it's like, okay, next thing you know, I'm at the fucking US, USAPL commentary. And I'm like, sorry guys, I sold right the fuck out. But uh yeah, no, good, good call. Anything else? Thousand dollars on red. That's right. Oh no, always passenger oh, number. Passenger fifty. Passenger fifty-seven. Playboy always bet on black. Always bet on black. <laughs> you're too young. You, you, you're way too young you for passenger fifty-seven. Never mind. Um, all right, fellas. I think that's a good one. We could cut it there. Thank you very much for jumping in. Uh, I hopefully we settled this for uh, a lot of people. Have some questions. And um, we sorted for them in. We will keep everybody updated because I'm sure some more names are going to start popping up. And uh, maybe even, who knows? Who knows? But maybe even popping up on other countries. Uh, more on that. Stay tuned. Until next time, six-pack lap it at. Wild Bill, Big Bill, by the book, Bill. What are you today, sir? Sassy Bill? Uh, Billy Mac? Bill. Like my foot's fucked up, Bill. How about that? <laughs> my foot's fucked up and I'm cranky, Bill. Um, Arian Messi, Messi, and Rory, Gary, the linchpin. <laughs> With the British accent. With the British accent. The man of, of, the man of many accents. All right, fellas. Thank you very much. <laughs>